So let's pray. Heavenly Father, once more we come before your throne asking for thy wisdom. You're using vessels, Lord, that are broken. All three of us, we never feel worthy to stand before you and stand before these people. But we're not here because we feel worthy, Lord. We're here because you called us. And we ask that because you called us, you empower us. So we ask that we may be hidden behind this cross, Lord, that only you may be seen and not us. And thank you, Lord, that you do use us, that you have called us to this, because we need godly women and mothers who have a burden for the welfare of the mothers to raise godly children. So I ask, Lord, that you continue to be with us, be with this presentation, particularly because it's going to be dealing with the rebellion of the heart. So I thank you, Lord Jesus, for watching us and leading us. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Um, as a parent, I felt that my job was twofold for my children. It was to get them ready for God's kingdom and to help them grow to be responsible Christian adults, meaning they need to learn how to do chores. <laughs> so this is what it is. But um, teaching my children how to do chores was one of the greatest blessings I have ever had besides teaching them to love Jesus. Now, chore time for my children taught so many character traits, and you really get to see the character of your children when you're teaching them how to be responsible. And if you don't do this here, I don't know if any of you, all of you have been in the workplace, there are some adults out there that have never learned how to submit, and there, and we even see it in our church, there's a lot of rebellion taking place with a lot of adults out there, and I think it's because they've never learned how to submit under authority. They submit when they like it, they don't submit when they don't like it. Submission is submission no matter what. And when God, I tell my children, when God says it is truth, bottom line, if you don't want to do it, it's because you're not surrendering. But you don't have to be convicted. God's word is conviction enough. So that means if God said it, we do it. We just surrender the heart if we're not ready to do it. And so, they, like I said, chores taught a lot of things. And one was fairness. I mean, when my girls were little, we had, um, they had to do laundry. And so they were making a pile. And I had one daughter, this is Stacy, and she decided today was her day to do the dividing of the laundry. And so she divided, and she had a pile like this, a little small pile, and she had this huge pile over here for Autumn to fold. And so I asked, I said, do you think that's fair? And of course, Stacy said, oh, yes, absolutely. And I said, okay, Autumn, do you think it's fair? No. And I said, but Stacy, you think it's fair? And she said, yes, Mom. I said, good. Now that you think it's fair, we're going to switch the piles. I'm moving this big pile over here, and I'm taking this little pile, and I'm giving this to your sister. No, Mom, that's not fair. And I said, but you said it was fair, and you're the one that divided it. So therefore, fair's fair across the board. And if you don't think it's fair, there's something you probably should have done when you first started to divide. And I said, is there anything you should have done? And she said, yeah, maybe got them a little bit more even. <laughs> said, yeah, maybe that would have been nice. So anyway, it was really cute. So they started dividing up. So the rule became this. The one child that divides, the other one gets to choose the pile first. That took care of it right away, okay? Now, it was really funny when they started dividing, they'd take the clothes and they'd put one here and one there and one here. And they weren't folding them, they were just dividing them. It took forever, but I just thought that that's how they want to do it. And then they decided, you know, that's ridiculous, that's taking forever. Let's just kind of eye the piles and see if we can kind of put them where we need to do. And they did that. And then finally they said, you know what? How about if we fold together? 
So the whole pile was there, and then they sat down. It wasn't about fairness anymore. Now it was togetherness. Let's talk. Let's share. How's your day? What do you think about this? And some of their closest moments came in folding laundry. And so you never know the power. And I hear people say, oh, there's no way. I'm faster for me to do it than give it to my kids. You're taking away so many blessings from your children by not letting them be responsible for the chores in the house. And... Um, so the next one that we had is negotiation. Our children learned to negotiate. We were in ministry work, and we've been in ministry work almost all of our lives doing some type of ministry. I call it, they call it self-supporting work. I want you to know, I really call it self-depleting work. We lived on $8,000 year after year for many years. I remember my daughter came and said, Mom, we're way below poverty level, but our shoes never wore out, our clothes never wore out. I mean, God sustained us through it. So my husband went back into secular work, our clothes ran out, and our shoes wore out. God really blessed. But when we were in ministry work, we were at this house looking where they were going to move us. And so Ron and I were discussing how we were going to live in this space. And right away, the girls, we heard them talking and say, well, what do you think is half? Well, I think this is half of the house. The front half, this is the back half. Well, when we move in, do you, Stacey and Autumn, which one? They were saying, which one do you want to take? Do you want to do the first half of the house first? or the second half. Now, my children were accustomed to cleaning our home. So when they cleaned the home, they actually divided the house up at the front half and the back half, and then they decided, I'll take the front half this week, you do the back half. The next week, they'd switch halves. And so they were trained that way. Well, I didn't realize how well they were trained until we walked in this house, and they were sitting here deciding how they were going to clean it. I never talked to them about cleaning this house. We never mentioned that. But they had already decided how they were going to clean the house, what was going to be half, and how they were going to take care of it. Now, that means your children are totally trained. When they were 16, all their friends were talking about getting married, and I decided my children need to know marriage is a whole lot more than just love. (laughs) So I said, okay, 16 years old, each of you are totally responsible for house. All. They decided on all the meals they were going to do. They did all the shopping. They paid all the bills. They did all the house laundry. They were responsible for everything for a whole year. Now, that doesn't mean the rest of us didn't do something. Like, I took care of my personal laundry. Everyone took care of their personal laundry. But when Stacy was in charge, she had to do the house laundry, like the kitchen towels and the, I mean, um, kitchen, uh, what do you call them? Um, Dish towels, thank you. You know, those kind of things she had to take care of. And then we all, everyone had a meal, they had a plan, but she had to plan the menus for the week. She had to do all of it. And then the next um, couple years, when Autumn turned 16, she did the same thing. And uh, maybe it worked too well, because it took a long time before they got married. (laughs) But I think that's just the Lord hadn't brought the people right back yet or to them. But anyway... But it was really good for them because they got to see what it was like to really run a household. I remember the day they came up to me and they said, what are you going to do when we leave? Because they were taking care of everything, you know. And I said, well, I'll go back to what it was before I ever had you, but now I have peace in my heart. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, now I know that you're a responsible adult, and when you leave my house, you will be able to take care of you and any family God gives you. So I've done my part. So... And now I'm back to doing all those chores. (laughs) And it's okay because they're responsible young adults. So chore time is not just a time for children to learn how to be productive and responsible. It's also a time to see your children's character, and it's a time to bless others. So chores should be done pleasantly with a good attitude, promptly now and perfectly with all their heart and ability for that age. Okay, and that's what it means, perfect, just for that age. As they get older, of course, they can do more. 
In other words, we want them to have the spirit of Jesus no matter what they are doing. So before we expect a child to do a chore, we must be sure the child understands how to perform it. A child should never be responsible for something that they've never been trained in. And this applies to everything. So that means if you're going to teach your child to come, teach them to come. I had a mom call the other day and said, my child's not come. She comes sometimes. She doesn't come other times. And I said, well, have you trained her? And well, no. And I said, well, it's because you haven't trained her. It's just she liked your smile that day or she just wanted a hug. She came to see you. But it's not because she understands come. So you need to train her. So you have little small sessions. If you want your child to sit still in church, get a rug at home and have them have quiet time. And quiet time, that means you practice every day, several times a day, one minute and then two minutes. I decided to teach my children how to sit quietly depending on how long the pastor preached. If he preached 30 minutes, my children need to sit quiet for 30 minutes. If he preached 45 minutes, my children need to sit 45 minutes. When we went to a doctor's office, I can't tell you how many times the doctor and the nurses would come out and thank me for my children being so quiet. Because there's times you have to do doctor appointments and your children need to sit still. They're not going to learn that if you don't practice. So everything you do, practice, practice, practice. That's that training, right? Train, 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 train. Then you can explain why. Train, 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 train. I can't get that across to you. Just train. So when we're starting a chore, we train. So I want my children to make the bed. So we're going to train how to make the bed, what it's going to look like. And my philosophy is watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. When I feel like they were watching enough and they understood, they said, okay, now we're going to do it together. So we do it together, we do it together, we do it together until I felt like they were doing it. And I said, now you do it, and I'm going to watch you. So I sit back and watch them do it. When it was perfect, according to their ability, then... They had it, and I walked away, okay? And then the responsibility now became them. If for some reason it didn't get done after I trained, then I set up what I call a positive reward. Now, positive rewards would be something like this. If you make your bed, you get a sticker, and if you get four stickers, I'm going to make your bed. So what I did is we would make the bed, we'd go put on a sticker, make the bed, go put on a sticker, make the bed, put on a sticker, until I got four stickers. I said, look, you got four stickers. Tomorrow, I make your bed. Okay, so we, but we trained and we trained, and everyone's like this, turn off lights. So we walk out of the room, turn off light. Okay, let's go get some play money. Turn off the light, let's go get some play money. And then they got to buy out of a grab bag that I had. I pick up toys, pick up toys, get a stick, and we practiced everything. And when they had it, I turned the responsibility over to them, okay? If they did all their work and they had um, early and they were industrious, then they got extra free time, okay? So there are times now that they still weren't getting it, so I had to now set up a negative reward. Now, I always set positive first, and positive rewards can just be a hug. They want to please you. Say, oh, good job, especially when they're little. They don't need all these posters, you know, just, oh, that was so good. You did such a good job. I'm so happy. And babies go, oh, you know, so they're happy with you too. But there's times I had to set up a negative reward too, and we practice. If you don't make your bed, you lose a sticker. So I take the sticker off, they, and we practice. Okay, let's pretend, let's pretend you don't get the bed made. Oh, no, you didn't get the bed made. Up, oh, off the sticker. Okay, let's pretend again. Oh, second time you didn't get the bed made. Off the sticker. And I said, now you have to make two beds. So let's go make two beds. We're going to make your bed. And I left my uncovered so they could make my bed. So we practiced, practiced, practiced until they understood, and then they were responsible for it. 
turn off the lights. If they didn't turn it off, then they had to pay me money because I always told them electricity costs, so you pay me. Or you can do a job. If they didn't have any money, they could do a job. And um, if they didn't turn off the lights one time, it was a penny. Second time, two pennies. Next time, five pennies. So it cost them more every time they didn't do it. But they started learning. But we practiced first. Before I came this as a standard for them and required it, I made sure they practiced so they understood. And so I never did anything that they didn't understand. If they left the toy with me or laundry, I had to pick it up. They had to buy it back from me. It became mine. I had a box that went in. They had to buy it back. And I remember one time my children said, I don't want it. And so then they didn't. They didn't want it. And I said, that's fine. I'm going to mark it off on a calendar. If it goes one week, I want you to know it goes to Dorcas. I picked up that box, they put them in the car, and we took that box to Dorcas. You're getting away our toys. And I said, well, you could have had them. You chose not to do a chore for them. They're going to Dorcas. That was the last time anything went to Dorcas that way. You know? So they learned really fast. If they were lazy, they had to do two chores. Now, eventually, like I said, the chart goes away, and the, the standard stays. Now, that doesn't mean the standard will always be there. The child's always going to do it. I remember when I, my daughter turned 13 or 14, she just decided she wasn't going to make bed. And so I went in there, and the bed wasn't made. And I thought, well, she must have gotten busy. But by the afternoon, when the bed wasn't made, I knew she wasn't not busy. She just decided she wasn't going to make bed. So our house had to be orderly. So I stripped all her covers, folded everything, put down at the end of the bed. That night when she went to bed and came in and found out her bed wasn't made, and it wasn't even partially made where the cover was just back where she could lay in it, she just threw a cover over her. So the next morning when I went in, it still wasn't made, so I stripped the bed again, folded everything, put everything in the, at the end of her bed. That one time that night when she went to bed was partially made. Anyway, the next day when I went in to look at her bed, it was made. <laughs> it was made perfect. And after that, it was never unmade. I did not say one thing to her. We never talked. She knew what was required, and she knew what was going to happen if she didn't do it. And she decided it was more of a hassle to have a partially made bed than to just get up and make the bed. So she started making the bed. So your children, like I said, learn really early. Let me go back one second. Learn really early what is required of them, and they will do what is required of them. Now, oh, wait. I wish I had this. Okay, now, child's never going to give you a hard time when you have your positive um, rewards. They're going to like those. It's when you start those negative rewards that you're going to start seeing that beautiful word called rebellion. And that's what you're going to see. And that's why we covered the first three days the way that we did, because this is the day, parents, at this part, that you're going to use everything we taught you. You're going to be on your knees praying. You're going to have them pray. You're going to have to work with that negative heart. You're going to have to understand how to train them, how to educate them, how to work with negative thoughts, because they're going to have a lot of those when they're doing chores. And this is when you see the rebellion. So first of all, I want to identify what rebellion is, because sometimes as parents, we don't understand it. And so we're passing it by. And so I want to show you what rebellion is. Now, rebellion happens when obedience is not carried out pleasantly with good attitudes, promptly now, not when I feel like getting to it, and perfectly. And that's what I said, the ability that the child has with their whole heart. And every child will at one time participate in every one of these types of rebellion. And it would be nice if they only participated at once. But it doesn't happen, right, moms? They participate in rebellion over and over and over. So there's three types of rebellion that we're going to be looking at, active, passive, and creative disobedience. Active is very easy to find. It's that child that puts his fist up and he says, no, 
I'm not going to do it. And parents, you need to know rebellion. Rebellion is never, never acceptable. The minute a child tells you no, you have rebellion. They argue about it. They get mad. They throw a fit. They walk away from you. They ignore you. That is rebellion. It is so much easier to catch the rebellion when you're little toddlers than it is to do teens. It can be done in teens because we took in rebellious teens. And if you're having problems, come see me. I know exactly what to do with teens. Come see me. But it is easier when you do it when they're little. The other is passive rebellion. Now, I had one child that was very active in her rebellion. The other one was very passive in her rebellion. And passive is when the melancholy asks them to do something. They pout. They roll their eyes. They have that sour countenance. They take forever to finish a task. They're sloppy when they do it. And they have very, very bad attitudes. So if you're not seeing chores that are pleasantly done, the good attitude, now promptly and perfectly, you have rebellion. And this is the one that's probably the hardest. It's called creative disobedience. And I'm going to give you a couple examples so you know what it looks like. Now, when my girls had time that they had to, um, their devotions, I wanted them to sit up for a couple of reasons. I didn't think it was good for them to look at stuff when they were laying down. Also, I didn't want them to fall back to sleep. So I wanted them to sit up. So I walked in my daughter's bedroom, and I asked her. She was laying down, and I said, would you please sit up? And she prompted herself up on her elbows. And I never assume my child does not understand. I assume I haven't trained. Okay, and that's different, because the minute you assume something, you're going to attack a child and do something that maybe was totally innocent, and you will harden that heart. So never assume they don't understand. Always assume you didn't train. Train. And I said, I am so sorry. You must not understand what sit, sit up means because you only propped yourself up at the elbow. So let me show you. So I set up. I said, now would you practice it so I know you understand? So when I come, so she practiced, and I said, okay, so when I come in, I say, sit up. Would you show me what it's going to look like? And then she sat up. I said, thank you. That's what it looks like, okay? I was doing a team meeting, or meeting at this church, and I had all these teens. I mean, lots of teens. And I had a row right here of very rebellious teens. And when they came in, they had to be been the leaders, because when they came came in, the minute they sat up, everyone was sitting up, they slouched like that, and the whole team just slouched down. And um, so I thought, I said, sit up, and they got up just a teeny bit, not much, and so I said, uh, to ask somebody, would you continue song service? I need to slip out a minute. And I said, teens, would you please come with me a minute? I'd like your help. So I took these teens outside, and I said, I am so sorry. I obviously asked you to do something. You guys have no clue what I've asked you to do. I'm training. I said, when I ask you to sit up, this is what it looks like. And I showed them. It's not slouching. It's sitting up. And I said, so that's what it looks like. So when you come in and you go like this, and I say, sit up. This is what it looks like. Now, would each of you practice for me so I know that you know? So would you practice? Would you practice? So I had all of them practice. They were sitting in chairs. And I said, okay, go ahead, slouch. Sit up, please. And they sat up. And I said, okay, now that you understand, thank you. And then we went back into the meeting, okay? So I just assumed they never had training. Now, of course, we know that they had training. But I'm not going to assume they don't have training. I'm going to train them. So I got back in. The next day, all these kids come in. My leaders came up here. And sure enough, they slouched. Everyone slouched. And I started. I said, okay, sit up. These kids popped up. And all those rows just popped up all the way back. So all those kids set up. These were my leaders. I got my leaders. So you always train in what you need. Okay, now, 
So in creative disobedience, this is what it looks like. They give you partially do it your way, or they totally do it in a creative way. Now, Megan actually shared this one with me, and we just talked about the issue. We didn't talk about what she's going to do or solve it or anything. We're just talking about what's going on. Um, she has trash cans all over her house, and one of her childs is responsible for emptying those trash cans. But when he comes back, he's putting those trash cans in all different places. And when she asked him about it, he just smiled. And I tell you, if you haven't seen her little boy smile, they can just warm your heart with the cutest smile. But there's times smiles are not very cute because you know what's behind that smile. But, and for a parent, I remember the first time I was correcting my daughter, and I, she was running in the clothes in Walmart, and I I pulled her out, and I asked her not to do that, and she gave me the cutest line. Oh, Mommy, I love you. The lady that was standing next to me started laughing. She walked away because she knew it was cute, but it wasn't cute. And I said, I thank you that you love me, but that's not what we're here for. We're discussing you walking through those clothes. <laughs> you know? So anyway, so she, he puts them back. Now, that could be creative, and it could be a lack of training. You assume it's a lack of training. If you have never purposely done when you put the trash back, oh, you got that right, I appreciate that, but this trash can goes here, this one goes here, this one goes here. You never assume they don't know, you train. The next time, if you see those trash cans all different places, you know that that child knows, but she needs to practice. So after you dump, then you take all three trash cans, and you say, okay, where does this one go? Very good, where does that one go? Very good, where does that one go? Very good, and then the next day, do it one more time, two more times, make sure they know. If they know, now they can be responsible for it, and then you can find out if they're doing what they're supposed to do. Okay, I'm going to just do one thing here and then we're done. So I tell my children creative, obedience, disobedience is never acceptable because it is disobedience. So that is never, never acceptable. And that you can be creative when you do your art, when you play outside, but never, never for disobedience. So creative disobedience is when a child says or thinks, I will obey, but I'm going to obey my way. That is not obedience. We call that disobedience. Hi. <laughs> so the, gra the, the garbage cans, they would end up like on top of a bookshelf or like <laughs> inside the closet instead of next to the desk. So it was, that was fun. But anyways, I wanted to bring up these two verses to start. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. I so appreciated the topics before because when we're having this disobedience or this struggle with our child, oftentimes I'll just say, hey, what's Colossians 3.23? Or rather than even entering into a debate, especially with my nine-year-old, I'll say to him, hey, would you please go get your Bible? Go to your room. Like, we just stop the chore. We just completely stop. And I say, please go get your Bible. I want you to open it up to Colossians 3, verse 23. Read it, and when you're ready to come talk to me, I'd love to have that conversation with you, but I, you only got five minutes. <laughs> I usually give them a time because usually we're trying to get something done, right? Um, but I guess the second verse here is really more for me. See, as we're doing this, at the beginning in the fall, I started out with like a whole church list. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. This is great. And then I met with these lovely ladies and I realized... <laughs> it's not really going actually as great as I thought it was. <laughs> and there were two reasons why. One was that I wasn't 100% sure that they really knew how to do each chore that I wanted. So when it wasn't getting done promptly, 
or if they weren't being pleasant about it, or maybe it just wasn't done well. I, I wasn't really sure if that was disobedience or if it was they didn't know. And like um, Cinda said, which I want to echo again, always assume that you did not train well. So that's what we had to go back and do. And for a couple of months, that's what we did. We went and we trained and we trained. And this is how the training in my house kind of looked. I, like for instance, in the bathroom, I have these chore lists, which actually is in your handout. My actual chore list is in your handout. And I gave notes about it on the next page as well. So if you want... This is just as an example to you because I had another friend who showed me her chore list and it was so encouraging to me, right? And so I thought maybe mine could encourage you. It's not a perfect list. In fact, it's my number two try, which is why I have this verse up here. This is Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but a wicked shall fall by calamity. You see, we want righteousness, right? And so even though, yeah, I realized, okay, that was a fail in the fall, I'm just going to get back up and I'm going to try again, right? And if this time doesn't work, then I'm going to cut this chart apart and I'm going to try it again another way. And I'm just going to keep training and training and training until I get to that point where my children can do the whole house. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I can't wait for that. <laughs> so um, I... That's, that's how I did, did it. So um, I have it so like one child is in charge of the sinks and the other one is in charge of the toilets. And then I usually take the shower because the shower is kind of big and they're a little bit small. And I, maybe it's because I'm too particular too. I don't know. But or I just am not ready there. I'm not, I'm working. God's working on me, right? We're just not on the shower yet, okay? So we would go in together, and I would show them, just like she said, we would do it together, even all of us, and we're all like, oh yeah, do you see that little bit down there? You missed that, and do you see how it kind of sprinkles on the wall next to it? You got to get that too, <laughs> you know? And so we just went, and we did this for like two, three weeks, all the chores together, and then when I said, hey, I think you're ready now, as soon as you're done doing this chore, you must come get me. And, and then this was hard for me as a parent because, of course, they're doing their chore and I'm like making lunch or, you know, whatever other million things you have to do in your head, right? I'm doing those things and they're like, mommy, I'm done, I'm done. You got to come check it. But in my head, I remember this is training. This is most important. So whatever it was I was doing, I stopped immediately so I could go and I could say, wow, this looks really great. Or, you know what? I see some hair there still. You missed that spot. Can you try that again? So again, this is still training with them. I'm still working to make sure that it's perfect. But once they were able to do it, then I didn't have to check it every time. So I wanted to show you my, my, um, before I do that, I am going to show you my chore list and kind of how it worked. But like I said, when I met with them, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that it was that I didn't train them or if there wasn't, if there was maybe some disobedience. And what I found was actually there was some disobedience, actually quite a lot. Uh, my first child is very creative in his disobedience. No, my second one, like she was saying, he's very creative. You know, garbage can here or there. But most of the time he's quick and prompt and he will do it, right? My, my second one, he's not creative in his disobedience, but he is the first kind of disobedience. My first child, Jonas. He, sorry, don't tell Jonas. No, just kidding. <laughs> I told him I would tell, and he said it was okay. So he um, he would just be slow, like so slow. So I would tell him to go to the toilet, and I say, "Hey, how you doing with that toilet? I'm working on it." 
10 minutes later, yep, I'm working on it. Well, did you get the stuff yet? No, just, just couldn't find the sponge. I'm like, okay, the sponge has been in the same place my whole life. I don't know what you're struggling with here. <laughs> and I would just be getting crazy, right? So I understood that I really did have some disobedience. And we had a few other things as well. But have any of you heard of what um, Gail talks a lot about this, having a family meeting? Have you ever had one of those before? We did not have regular family meetings, but I realized at this point it was time for a family meeting. So I didn't, my husband wasn't home for this. It would be best if your husband were home for it and you could be together with him, but it needed to be addressed. And so we addressed it right after breakfast. And this was the verse I started with. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we did a little worship thought about how when we're taking out the garbage or or when we do this in a fast, prompt way, we're actually showing love. We're actually doing it for our family because what if we didn't do that? What would our house look like? And would it be a pleasant place to live? And just for a side note for you, my one son, he has, he'll say to me, well, I don't think it really matters. You know, and his dresser will be like this high with stuff. And I'm like, it matters. It's so horrible, you know. And um, he was like, yeah, it doesn't matter. So I know the whole screen thing, but I actually looked up a, um, a small tidbit episode of the hoarders episode and I let him watch a piece of the hoarders and I was like you see this person they didn't think it mattered either and now look they're wading through it to their heads and do you want that in your life is that something you want and he was like no so it actually was really quite effective. <laughs> and so, but anyways, getting back to my family meeting, this was our, so you can see my, my one son was having a hard time with just giving an elbow or, you know, and just thinking, let me give that smile, like Cinda said. So I listed off the things that I was finding were not working for us, that were causing strife, that were not showing love in our family. And then I asked them, so what should I do? Because we can't continue this the way that we're going. And so the things that they listed off were probably things I would have picked anyways, but they chose them. So Evan said, yeah, if I hit my brother, maybe I should have a little spank on that hand too. And I was like, hmm, okay, we could do that. We'll write that down. And then perfect obedience. If, if you say it's done and I come and look at it and I'm like, it's not done, then you have to do it again. And we're going to do it again and again and again until it's right. So that doesn't mean that you'll miss out on math or you'll miss out on this other thing. That means you're not going to get time to go outside and play or you won't have time to do these other fun things that you want to do because that's when you're going to do it again and again. He was like, okay, okay. And they agreed on these different things. So for prompt obedience, they would practice. I got that from Amy Hubbard. So if they're not being prompt, I just come and I say, Jonas, I asked you to do that five minutes ago, and you haven't done it. So let's look at our chart. And I bring him over to my chart, and I say, what does it say? You are not being prompt, so what, what is the consequence? Oh, I have to have an extra chore for practice. That's right, you do. So let's do that extra chore right now. And Amy really stresses that she would pick easy chores that they could do with um with easiness like they could actually do it quickly and be effective and so like okay I would like you to take those shoes and take care of them I require this when I'm talking with my children when I say to them please take care of your shoes I require them not to just go do it but for them to say yes mommy I will obey 
just those words. Yes, mommy, I'll obey. So if they don't have it, I'll say, oh, try again. <laughs> I just say, try again. They know. They know immediately because I've already told them, yes, mommy, I will obey. And so really, mine was focusing on the perfect, prompt, and pleasant. And like Cinda said, and we've talked about before, this really has a lot to do with what's going on in their heads. What are their thoughts? What are their feelings? So we have had to have full-on battles where we talk about, um, is this What's in your head right now? I don't want to clean the toilet. Okay, but why don't you? And is that is there a lie that you're being told? So that's really kind of like yesterday's too. Just going to my chore chart, you'll notice that it is not perfect by any means. In fact, I brought it with me, so if you guys want to see it up close, you can have it. Or not have it. You can't have it, <laughs> but you can see it. Um, I have a laminator at my house too because, you know, I'm an old teacher. <laughs> um, Sometimes pulling out my computer is like pulling teeth. I just don't have time to pull my computer out. So um, is it a quick question or? Oh, yeah, thank you for asking. Spicy is cayenne. See, a lot of people use uh, soap, but I don't know. It might be toxic. <laughs> and cayenne I know is not. Um, but oftentimes, and I wanted to say that, so thank you for saying that. Um, when we do the spicy, I was really nervous that I would hurt my child. So I actually tried it too. And and a lot and when they were very little, I did it to me first, always before I did it to them. Like so, yep, you've chosen the spicy. So I put it on my tongue. I never made a big deal out of it. I don't even know if they realized that I was doing it too. And then I would give it to them. And then, you know, it's always this like my son, he's got this brave face like I'm not going to have a problem with this and then and then, <laughs> and then it kind of falls apart. And then I, you know, I help him. I assist him. I give him bread and things to get him through it, right? And then we pray together. And um, if they take that consequence, like I bring him over the chore chart, the very first day he knocked somebody with his elbow. And so I took him to the chore chart and I said, or to the chart we had, and I said, what is it that, what, where is this on our chart? And he hardly can read, but he knew. He was like, I need a spank. And I was like, yeah, you do. Are you ready to take your consequence? He was like, yes. <laughs> but it, there was no fight in it. However, if I were to take my, char my child to the chart, and this has happened, and I'd say, were you prompt? Were you, were you perfect? Did you do this? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, are you ready for your consequence? Well, mom, blah, 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 blah. That's the point when I would say, choose. Because right now, Satan is telling you lies. So you have to choose. Are you going to obey or are you going to choose rebellion? Because rebellion, it, what, what happens if you choose that? And for us, it's the rod of correction. Um, the rod, I was, Cinda's got a whole thing about the rod of correction. Go see her if you would like to. I don't always have a spoon or I, sometimes I have to spank. But um, for my home, it's generally right here on the back of their leg. We try to make it a bare place. Um, again, just like the spicy, I was really afraid I would hurt them or it would be abusive in some way. I never do it in anger, never, ever. It's just matter of a fact. And also, um, I practiced on myself. So I would knew exactly how hard it was and, and what I was going to. So, And even before I do it to them, I often practice to make sure I have the right amount. Because the reality is, if it's not hard enough, it's not effective right? If they get in, they're like, that's not that bad. They're going to be okay with having it again. 
So if it's too hard, I don't want to be abusive. I don't want my child to think I'm abusive to him, right? So anyways, that, that's how we did it. And um, then I would bring him back to the chart, and I would say, are you ready now to take your consequence? <laughs> and I would just wait until they're ready. And sometimes that's a battle. In the beginning, that was a huge battle. My child did not want to stand in timeout when he was two or three. So I would stand behind him and I would say, no, I'm sorry, you chose this. You need to be in timeout. And I would hold him in timeout. And when he would, blah, blah, I don't want to go in timeout, when he would come out here, and then I would say, I'm sorry, you chose that. SWAT, go back to timeout. Boom. And then he went to back time out. Or, so I don't remember. I think I might have prayed, dear father, help Jonas to take his time out. And then, boom, I put him back in time out. Well, I don't want to go to time out. Swat, <laughs> back to time out. And we did this probably three, four, five times. And then now, if I have to send him to a time out, not now, I mean, even maybe the very next time, he knew. He knew because I was training him that when I say to go to time out, I mean time out is to stand there. They understood it then. So sometimes we have to really, it's not, again, we're not doing it in anger. We have been intentional. We have made a plan and we're simply following through now. Okay. So in our home with our chore chart, I did have to kind of hold them accountable though. So what I was talking to you about was sort of like the, the not the happy consequence, but the bad consequence, right, if they choose not to. But in my in my home, we do a lot of Dave Ramsey. Do you ever do Dave Ramsey? Everybody heard of that, Dave Ramsey? It's a lot of budgeting, and the, he has this thing where the, the dad gets a blow money portion and the mom gets a blow money portion because we're all part of this family, and that's our, like, discretionary money, right? So in my home, I kind of have that for my kids. Five, and it's because I wanted to teach them how to do tithe and offering, but they were still very little. So how to make money for them was just beyond me, and I wasn't sure how to do that. And it seemed to me that if they were helping with chores, that it would be okay for them to have a piece of our money as well. It's not like you did the toilet, you now get a dollar. No, no, no. It's more like because you are willing to be a part of our family and choose to help us with the chores, here's the piece of being a part of our family. So, but if they choose not to be a part of our family, then they do choose not to have a portion of that fund. So it ends up being like 50 cents for the morning and 50 cents for the afternoon. I have my, you saw my morning chart. They need to be ready by nine o'clock with all those things done. And then in the afternoon or mid-morning, depends on when we can get to it, they have these ones. So one gets this one and the other one gets that one. And every week we trade I made sure that they really did understand how to do it. And we use vis-a-vis markers because then they're so easy to erase with water, just bloop right off. And if they do it well and we're doing good, they get a check mark and they're good to go. And they were so excited because when I decided to do this, I also added some extra chores. So if they wanted to like really earn extra money, they could just pick one of the things on the chore list and ask me. But my rule always is they must finish this list first. And if this is done really well and they have time and they still want to, they could pick something from here. I have not yet paid extra money to any of the kids. <laughs> and that's because we're training and they're always once in a while. Because if, if they do all their chores but they're not doing it with promptness, they still don't get the check mark. Okay? So if they don't do this, then they might, they might miss something. And then they're like, oh, I don't want to lose any money. What extra chore can I do? i got to make up for it. <laughs> kind of works out really good for me, actually. 
Um, so I'll put these over here so you can see them. I am running out of time, however. So I just want to end with one thing. I've been reading a book called Do Hard Things. I'm not done with this book yet. Um, it's by Alex and Brett Harris, who are teenagers. And in the beginning of the book, they even said, you know, yeah, a long time ago, there was no such thing as a term. In the Bible, there's no term for teenager. There's a child and there's an adult. When I was young, I did childish things. And when I was old, I don't remember the rest of the verse. But anyways, that was their big thing. And it's all about how we should do hard things. And so even on our chore list, this has been a great opportunity for outreach to, to my family members. Um, let's say Jonas is done with his chores and he has extra time and we're kind of waiting because Evan is scrubbing and he's not done yet. And I'll look at Jonas and I'll say, you really want Evan to play with you, right? And he's like, yeah, hey, this is your opportunity to do a hard thing. It is not Jonas's responsibility to finish Evan's chore list. But if he wants to show Jesus's love, if he wants to do a kind thing, he could help him. And, and since we've been talking about this concept of doing hard things, even though they're not fun always, but it is showing Jesus' love, more often than not, they help each other to finish the chores. And they're excited about it. And Wigglesworth is a preacher in um, England, was. I think he's, I don't know if he's alive still. He had a stutter, and he couldn't um, barely talk when he was younger. And one person said to him, he was an evangelist, boy, I, it, it was too bad that you couldn't get rid of that stutter when you were younger. If you didn't have that problem when you were younger, you could have done so much more. And this was his response, which I found so powerful. So listen to it really deeply, okay? Great faith is the product of great fights. Great testimonies are the product of great tests. And great triumphs can only come out of great trials. When your child is having a moment of struggle where their thoughts and their feelings are not quite right and it's hard, remember hard isn't bad. Hard just strengthens them and helps them to grow. And if you can point their eyes towards that, it's going to be so powerful for them. So thank you. Well, my children are, like some of you have heard, 10, 13, and 15, so I have moved past, well, I can't say I've moved 100% past that, <laughs> because we're not perfect, but I do have to say that at this point in my life, I am so glad that I have taken the time to involve my children in chores, because it's such a blessing, such a blessing. Um, people sometimes ask me how I get so much done, and while I do really like to be productive, um, I tell them one of my secret weapons is my children, because uh, I use them in a lot of areas of life. Uh, one of these pictures, they, they do all sorts of things we've taught them to do. And in this, uh, let's see, it's your right side corner. The boys are making breakfast. They wanted pancakes, so they decided to make breakfast for us. And they just do all sorts of things inside and out of the house. And so I just want to encourage you to take the time, even though your children might be young, you know, when they're two, three years old, oh, they're so excited to help mommy and daddy. Let them help you. It is hard to let them help you. It would be easier just to do it yourself. It's a lot quicker just to do it yourself. But in the end, you will get so much more done when they can help you and do things well. So take the time. 
to train them and put in the effort. Um, once they're trained, you will get so much more accomplished. I actually often tell my children, how will I get the house clean when you're gone? Because really, they do a lot of it for me. So right now, our chore method is very simple. Index cards, I really like index cards. Each week, or sometimes we switch up every couple of weeks, um, they each have an index card with their name. We divide up the bathroom chores, so each of them has something to do in all three of the bathrooms. We um, divide up the meals, so everybody's doing something, whether it's putting food away, whether it's washing the dishes, or loading the dishwasher, or cleaning. I throw in cleaning the stove, clean the microwave, so those stay clean. And uh, then they all have different things, like maybe one week, one of them is going to wash all the towels that week, and. Uh, wash, dry, put them away. And another one might be uh, in charge of all the trash that week, emptying it and then taking it out to the road, and one of them might sweep and vacuum the floors. So we divide things up evenly. They probably have four or five things on their cards. And then, of course, they do have regular chores that they're in charge of each week. They're always in charge of their own rooms. They're always in charge of their laundry, which I'll, I'll put a plug in here. It was by five or six years old that we had taught all of our kids to run the washing machine and the dryer so that they could do their own laundry. So the boys share a laundry basket. They've figured it out. One of them does the laundry, puts it through the washer and dryer on Monday. The other one does it on Thursday. They each fold their own clothes and put them away. Kaylee does her own laundry. So it's never too young to even start them with the laundry, because it's such a blessing. I, I don't like doing five people's laundry, so I don't, and it's such a blessing. Then they also help with the meals. So right now, this is working well for us. Their index cards go up on the refrigerator so that we can keep track of them. They kind of like to see the big picture and know what's expected, so they can do them at chore time. They can get them done ahead of time if they want, um, and they can kind of fit it in nicely like that. So it fits for us. Uh, when it comes to chores, I have to say that I haven't dealt with a whole lot of the active outright uh, rebellion, but, you know, um, passive rebellion comes to all of us once in a while, <laughs> and so that's uh, some of what I've dealt with, so that's what I'm going to share with you a little bit about. Have any of you dealt with having a bad attitude, your children having a bad attitude or grumpiness? Nobody likes to do chores. I, I, well, you know what? That's not true. Some people really like to do chores. But the girl that pops into my mind, she's five years old. She's at one of our churches, and she's always willing to help with dishes and all of that. Take advantage of that. Um, but sometimes, you know, there's a bad attitude or there's grumpiness. Well, the standard that we want, we don't want that bad attitude or grumpiness. The standard that we want is to have things done pleasantly. Right? The Bible says in Philippians 2.14, do all things without murmuring and disputing. So that's complaining or arguing. So if this is a problem in my house, this gets my kids another chore. And if through talking and scripture, by praying, if there's no heart change, um, then the chores keep adding up. And I, you know, the temptation is, when you get another chore, is to keep grumbling, because who wants another chore? But uh, at this point, they, have, they need to learn to control their emotions. There are things that we have to do in life that are not fun and that we don't want to do. Even I tell them there's some things that I do that I don't want to do. I know it's hard to imagine, but I don't want to do all those chores either. And so... Actually, I was just talking with Bill, and we were talking about this type of thing. And I said, um, what's the most chores that you remember ever having because of this? 
He said, oh, probably five or six. <laughs> so they kept adding up, they kept adding up um, until they can do the job pleasantly. And eventually they get the idea that you're just gonna keep adding chores. And so eventually through prayer and talking and the fact that they don't want any more chores, the bad attitude does stop. Um, I've also dealt with sloppiness. Oh, sorry, that's there. Sorry, I get it. That's okay. And now that one. Okay, this one's, okay, so you get the Bible verse first. This is sloppiness. We'll just go ahead and put the problem. It's sloppiness. The biblical standard is that we want things done well. We want things done perfectly. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever thy hand finds to do, do it with all thy might. And so for this, my kids get to try the chore over again if it's not done thoroughly the way that it was supposed to be. At this point, they've been trained to do things the right way, to do, to do things well. So let's say if it's a toilet that wasn't cleaned well, they'll get to clean that toilet. They might even get another toilet to clean because, you know, if they didn't do it well, they need practice. Because practice, practice makes perfect, right? Also, another little thing, I don't have it up here because I just thought of it. When it comes to sloppiness, um, I also have a son who likes to hoard things. And, well, when you mentioned the dresser, he likes, things end up on his dresser. They end up around the bottom of his dresser. I'm like, oh my, this has got to stay clean. So actually, and 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, let all things be done decently and in order. And I have to use that verse a lot. So finally, I told him that if at the end of the day, I have to clean around the bottom of his dresser specifically, and things aren't nice on the top, then he can pay me to be his housekeeper. So we, we don't have uh, devices and things like that to take away. Um, but money really speaks to my children. So we've, we've worked with that, and it seems to he's, he's doing a better job uh, because of that. Another problem is a delayed response. Have, here's the Bible verse again. Here, we'll just get it all up there. <laughs> That's okay. <clears throat> Has anybody's child ever said, just a minute? Oh, it reminds me of the story in the Bible, or in the bedtime stories, Just a Minute Janet. When I was a kid, it was Just a Minute Janet. I don't know what it is now, but my kids say that sometimes. And so, but we want them, just like the Bible says, to be able to say, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. It's important to obey right away. So two things, they might get another chore if their response was not prompt, but also whatever it was that was distracting them and keeping them from obeying promptly, then that gets taken away. So if it was just a book that they were reading, then that book gets taken away. If it was the toy they were playing with, then that toy gets taken away. Um, if it was the computer and they were working even on homework or something, then they don't use the computer for the rest of the day. Because if it's a distraction, then they need to take a break from that. Um, now, I do know some people that have dealt with the outright rebellion. Um, I don't have the Bible verses to go up there, but just a couple of instances. One, I know a teen who just would not do his share of the, his responsibilities and chores. He said, I will not. And so that's kind of hard. The standard is we want them to be diligent, right? Proverbs 10.4 says, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Also, there is a Bible verse at 2 Thessalonians 3.10 that says, if any should not work, neither shall they eat. So right there, he would not do his uh, fair share of the responsibilities. So what they ended up doing because of these two standards was they cleared everything out of his room. He became poor. He had a bed and he had his clothes and that's all he had. 
and he didn't eat while this was going on, except for the Bible does say your bread and water shall be sure. So he got bread and water. Uh, He didn't get all the other things that the family was eating. And that took care of the situation. When there's no food and there's only, you know, when there's only bread and and you're a growing boy, you want more than bread. So that worked for them. Another was a teen that was always being distracted um, from his responsibilities by media devices. And so Proverbs 4, 25 says, let your eyes look diligently forward and your gaze be straight before you. The standard here was that we need to stay focused. Whatever it is we need to do, we need to stay focused on that responsibility and we need to get it done. So obviously in that situation, the distractions were taken away. So with everything, even when it comes to chores, it comes from a biblical standard, not just because we want them to be our workhorses and get things done. Um, We want to build their character and we want to do it based on what the Bible asks of us. And then we want to find consequences that match the infraction. On occasion, um, the things that I've shared with you don't always work, and sometimes you're still left with a heart that is not fully surrendered and soft, maybe a bad attitude or grumpy or whatever. So that is when we refer back to what I talked about on day two. If you weren't here, you can get the handouts. But we talked about four different things that help a child's heart surrender to the Lord. And so through this process of helping them come to a point where they do things perfectly or promptly or pleasantly, I need to make sure that my tone is correct and that I'm talking in a way that they can listen and that they can hear and respond to the the Lord's voice speaking to them. We talked about sharing facts. Maybe that would apply in some of these situations, maybe not always, but share facts if you need to. And then questions, you're communicating with your child. You know, talking about the thoughts that they have, talking about what they're sowing and what they actually do want to reap. So you're communicating and helping them reason um, to the point where they want to give their hearts to Jesus. And then sometimes, even when it comes to chores, you do have to whip out the Bible because in any situation, there's nothing like God's word to transform our hearts as well as our children's heart. So I just really quickly... Um, If you didn't get the handouts, get them, because on Tuesday we gave you a couple of, Monday you got some Bible studies, Tuesday you got some, a couple of Bible studies, one was the five Ps that will help lead your child um, to the Lord, basically, and help them have a surrendered heart. And so one of the problems that we deal with, like I said, is saying just a minute and having a delayed response. So both of my boys actually did this study. And we use this verse, I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. So in this Bible study, you choose a verse that has a life principle. So in this one, it was about doing things promptly, doing things right away. And you take that verse and you go through the five Ps. The first one is principle. You write down the principle. So the principles that they came up with were obey promptly, do it as quickly as you can. That's beautiful. That's what I want them to do. The second P is to paraphrase, to restate that Bible verse in your own words. So they said, I need to quickly do what I'm asked. And then the second one is that you write down your personal struggles in that area, things that are challenging to you. And so they wrote down saying just a minute was a problem. And then also finishing, like if they're at the computer or if they're reading a book, a problem might be, and it is, they said, finishing what I'm doing before I respond and obey. 
So it's really, really good to have them realize what the specific problem is, because unless you understand what the problem is and the challenge that you have, you can't uh, fix that. So then the second, or the fourth P is profit and loss. First, you list the blessings that you will receive if you obey that Bible verse, and uh, after that you write the consequences that you will receive if you don't follow that Bible verse. So their blessings were length of days, because the Bible talks about length of days if we obey. They, would, they thought they would be happier if they obeyed. They wouldn't have as much guilt from doing the wrong thing. And they would have more time for other things if they just promptly obeyed and got it done. So they put down that their consequences if they did not follow this Bible, work to make, Bible verse to make haste would be that they would get consequences or a discipline. They wouldn't be as happy and then that they would experience guilt from not doing the right thing. So the last P is that they are to come up with a plan of action to decide how to carry out this principle. So they said, I will stop saying just a minute, and one of my sons put, and I want mom to help remind me not to say that. He said, and if I say that, just gently remind me, and I'll stop, and I'll get right to it. Um, and then the other one said, uh, I want to come promptly when I'm called. And so it was really good for them to put some effort and some thought into the problem that we were dealing with, what the Bible was asking them to do, and then it walked them right through what they could do about that. And then it helped them. When you study the Bible, always make a decision. Have a plan of action of how you're going to put that into practice and how you're going to use it. Um, I was going to give you, I don't have time to, so, anyways, that is the way that we deal with a lot of chores. On occasion, you will find that a child does come to a point where they do need a spank, they do need the rod of correction, and Cinda, I believe, has some handouts uh, for you on that because we didn't have time to discuss that. But in everything we do, you know, parenting is a very prayerful thing. My situations will be different than your situations, but God is always the God of wisdom, and for any of us that ask, he will give that to us no matter who we are. Okay, the very one is the last one. It's the rod, and I'm just going to briefly go through this. I did a handout for you just so you would have, but um, even in using the rod, I tell you, it's very seldom my children had the rod. Even when this, we had this little boy for six weeks, the first thing I did when he came into my home, and I have it shaped as a heart, I took him into, when he first came to live with us, I took him into the room, I said, I want to show you your friend. And so I brought him in and showed him his friend, the spanking spoon, and um, I said, when you need it, you'll come get him, because he's going to help you be good. He said, well, I'll never need that, and I'm never going to go get it, you know, so I had him for, I guess, about the third day, and he had done something wrong, and I believe that before you ever use a rod, you are taking your child to Christ. Um, so, and a lot of times when you tell your child they're rebellious, then just that and telling them can be enough to break their heart and they stop. Other times it doesn't happen and you need a rod. I have a handout for you why I don't use my hand, why I use the rod, because it is a very biblical principle. Um, in 2014, I don't even know if it's available anymore, Scott Switzema asked me to do a parenting seminar with him at camp meeting, and I did one on just the rod of correction. The wrong way and the right way. Okay, so you have it in this handout that you have today in the back. It's called the rod of correction. Thank you. And... Um, 
Anyway, so I don't use it like a spanking. You want to soften the heart, not harden the heart. And so there's times that you have to use it. But like I do first, I just say, your heart's in rebellion. I need you to make a choice here to surrender to the Lord. And I deal when you have rebellion. I don't care if it's active, passive, or creative. It has to stop. Because if not, it grows up to rebellious adults. You've got to stop it. And God doesn't need any more rebellion. He's already had enough of it, you know. So we have to stop it. So you're going to use it any of that time. So the first thing I do is I call the child's heart, and I said, you're in rebellion. You need to make a choice here. And when I had Danny and his heart went into rebellion, I said, you need to to make a decision here. Well, he made a decision. He was screaming at me more and fighting and yelling, and I said, I need you to go get the rod for me. And, of course, he didn't want to at that time. And so, and I did. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe what God does in the heart. So I just went to my bedroom, and I said, you need to spend time with Jesus because right now you're not willing to take. He died for your rebellion. He's already done it, and you're crucifying him again by your choices right now. So I want you to pray here, and I'm going to go in my bedroom, and I'm going to pray for you that your heart would be surrendered. So I went in the, my room, and I started praying for him. And when I came out, he said, I'm ready to take my discipline now. I said, well, you know where he at, so you go get him. So he brought him to me, and um, he said, I'm not going to cry. I'm just not going to cry. And he, he turned over, and he let me give him that correction. And I give it one time, and then I pray for the heart again. Now, of course, rebellion is over what he should have done. He had a consequence he wasn't willing to take, so I stopped that. We did the uh, rod of correction, and then I said, okay, you ready to take your consequence? Yes. And then we go back and do the consequence. If they say no, I have to do the rod again. And then I say, okay, now you're ready to go back. And I'm praying the whole time. So I pray for the heart, and I have all the steps in there, what I do. Step one, step two, step three. I pray for the heart. I call for it. Are you ready to do your correction, your um, consequence? No. Okay, I'm sorry that was your choice, the way of the transgressor's heart. Turned him over, gave one. Said, okay, you ready now to go do what I asked you to do? No. Okay, I'm sorry that was your choice. I pray again, the way of the transgressor's heart. Turn him over, give it another one. Are you ready to go do your consequence now? I'm not mad when I do it. I, he feels it, but I'm not mad. I'm not angry. Anyway, that night when his mom called, we had him for six weeks because she had cancer. She called and she said, I said he got his first rod of correction today. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. He ran around the house screaming and yelling. I said, no, he laid over and let me give him one. And she said, well, when I get back, we, you and I need to talk because that's not how he responds to me. And anyway, I had him, like I said, six, maybe I think even seven weeks. At the end of the time I had him, he walked in my bedroom with the rod. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I have been sinning. You have asked me not to do something the whole time I've been here, but I've been doing it. He's five. And he said, I came and I'm asking you to discipline me. I don't want Jesus to carry the burden anymore of my sin. I would like to take responsibility for my sin. Would you take the rod and use it? I didn't even know this child was doing anything bad. So I took it, and I said, okay. And um, so he laid over, and I always do it on a bear. Um, I, I respect their pride. And never, never, never discipline your children in front of other people. You don't want to embarrass them. You want to correct and bring them into a different room. Don't embarrass them. Whether you grab their arm, well, I don't think that's acceptable. Anyway, never, never, never embarrass them. If you take them in another room and it was public, Take care of them and then have them go back and apologize for the attitudes and the way they were acting. But don't discipline your children in public because it's not there to embarrass them but to bring their heart to repentance. So anyway, so he laid over and he had a, his bare bottom. I always made sure he had shorts because I wasn't trying to embarrass him. But I do it, like she said, right here on the thigh. And Anyway, when I laid him over and I barely touched him, he said, that's not good enough. 
he said, I have sinned. You know, just let me know. Do this harder, you know. And anyway, so I, he said, I deserve this. And so anyway, he said, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm just, I'm not going to cry. It's going to hurt, but I'm not going to cry. Anyway, I gave him a good spanking. And when he was done, and I always spank, turn my child back, talk to them. If I have to do another one, turn them back, give another one, turn them around, talk to them. And then anyway, I turned him back after I got done. And I was crying, and he was crying. And he said, Auntie Cinda, it's okay. I deserve this. It's okay. You did good. Here is a five-year-old comforting me because I gave him a discipline that he deserved because he said, I deserve this. And so you can bring your children to the point where they feel like, yes, I've done this wrong. And I remember when I had to do one with Stacy, she refused to take her discipline. I had been with her five hours. When I was out in the field doing child training seminars and somebody brought me their rebellious child to me, right away that child would repent and turn around. It didn't happen in my home. It was forever and ever and ever. But anyway, five hours later, she said, I know I need to take it, but I refuse. So I said, well, I need to go ask the Lord what to do. So I went in, nailed, said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And he said, take it for her. I said, okay. So I went back. I gave her a spoon, and I said, I'll take it because you're not willing to take your punishment. She said, there's no way. There's no way. You don't do that. There's no way. And I said, if you argue with me, you're going to give me two. Mom, I said, that's going to be three now. And so finally she quit arguing because she didn't want to get up to four and five. And so when I bent over and she gave me one, and I said, nope, that's not good. I want to feel it. And she said, Mama. And I said, that will be four if you go on. OK, OK, just three, just three. And the whole time she's baking me, she's going, oh, oh. And when she does, she threw that spoon down, and she grabbed a hold of me. And she said, never, never, never again will I not do this. Anyway, I have this out on child training. And somebody called me. And I said, I, I walked my child through this. And my child was very happy to use the rod of correction on me. You know? And I said, did God tell you to do it? Well, all these are, ladies, it's principles. You, these are just principles. Take them to the Lord. Ask, what do I do now for this child? God's going to tell you. That child's heart was not repentant enough for her to take his correction. He was just not there. So you have to be asking the Lord, what would you have us to do? Um, I have my brochures up here if you need to get in touch with me. This is only for my business. Some people were asking. TGM, Training Gifted Minds, tgn.cinda at gmail. If you need me personally for parenting, Cinda dot parenting at gmail.com. I am open to any of you to help. I believe that when my children were small, somebody gave me um, a mother in Israel. Two of them were there for me. They prayed with me. They helped me in training my children. And I told the Lord, and I didn't know, sorry, I didn't know the Lord answered this prayer until last night. Um, I got an email yesterday. I was feeling a little discouraged. I got an email yesterday, and this lady said, I want you to know, just to encourage you to continue on, because I have been really questioning, because a lot of things are happening with my health and just busy, and so I've been asking the Lord, should I stop this work, you know, because I have to cut down somewhere, and I'm trying to figure out where to cut, and um, anyway, she sent me a thing, and I had been working with their family for about two years now. She said, I just want to encourage you today. This was last night. She said, I just want to encourage you today to continue doing what you're doing because I'm in a parenting group and we're studying child training and um, everybody has found your name on the internet and every time we do child training, send Ostman, send Ostman, send And it's not me, it's God, you know. But I realized years ago, I asked the Lord, when I get old enough and it's time, would you let me be a mother in Israel? Because we have young ladies out there young mothers that need training, that need help. 
I would like to be a mother in Israel. So, Lord, if you ever see in your heart that I have a heart for this and that I have a submissive heart and not in rebellion, would you call me to be a mother of Israel? And I didn't think about that until I was praying last night. And I thank the Lord for the encouragement of the letter. And he told me, he said, Cinda, you asked years ago to be the mother of Israel. I have been answering that, but it's just now that you realize that that answer has been, that prayer has been answered. I'm coming over here because she's my mother in Israel. <laughs> so. Thank you. I love her babies too. <laughs> and if you want some babies, someone take care of babies, just call me. I love babies. <laughs> and the Lord's given me that. So anyway, so I am available. If I don't get to you right now, I'm just busy, but please don't feel bad calling, writing, sending out my phone numbers on here. Um, get in touch because I do know we need mothers that are helping. And I also want to encourage you that God needs more. And I'm so thankful for these ladies. Right now they're busy in their home, so they're not able to go. But one day, these women right here, and they already are doing that, are mothers in Israel too. And God's going to call them into the pulpits too because I do believe that we need other mothers helping us. So anyway, let's pray. Kind Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity again to come before your throne and to ask you to and petition you, Lord, to be with our hearts and to help us to raise godly children for you. We know that your coming is so soon, Lord, and for you to come and you look around and say, where are the children I've given you? Where are they? I don't see them. How awful that would be for us, Lord. So I just ask that you help us to be faithful so that when you come, you say, where are the children? And we can say, Lord, here they are. We raise them faithfully for you. So help us, Lord Jesus, to raise these, godly, these children to godly little people that they may serve you and love you. In your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.